We're going to read from God's Word. Uh, now we're going to turn to Matthew's Gospel and chapter 12. I've got a Bible. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. This is what God's Word says. Then they brought him, that is Jesus, they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts. And said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges." But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken... For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, 
more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible, please turn back to Matthew chapter 12. And as uh, you do, just uh, let me say thanks for the welcome. Uh, today is great to, to be with you. Look forward to catching up uh, later after this morning's service and this evening uh, as well. As we come uh, to God's word, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you've uh, spoken to us through your word, that we uh, have it uh, in our hands this morning. Lord, we do not take it for granted that uh, we have words that we can understand in our own language. We praise you, Lord, for your kindness to us in this. And we uh, pray now that you'd quieten our hearts and you would help us to, to hear what it is you have to say to us. We thank you, Lord, so much uh, for uh, the privilege it is to be able to hear your voice. And so we pray now that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our, of our hearts might be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Are you someone who doesn't drive anywhere anymore without using technology? Do you use uh, uh, SatNav or, or Google Maps? Even if you've done that route a uh, hundred times, you think I'll use Google Maps just in case there's a better way to go and I could save a couple of minutes. Or maybe you're a little bit more old school and you much prefer the map, the atlas, and the road signs to get you from A to B instead. I guess quite a few of us, if not all of us, rely on technology in some way, even if you just want to check the, the journey before uh, you go in case there's been an accident or something. Uh, but uh, despite the technology that we have, when you come to sit your driving test, if you've done it many years ago, or, or if you're yet to do it, something that I certainly had to do was to, to follow road signs. Now, I did my test in Aberystwyth, and there's only really three ways to go, north, uh, east, or south. But why was it that I had to do that? Why is it a, an important part of a driving test, despite all the technology that we have? Well, it's because road signs are important. Lots of different road signs. We thought about some of them earlier with the children. And they're all important because they tell us about what's down the road. They tell us what is to come, what's in front of us. They point us in the right direction. And this morning, as we focus in on verses 38 to 41 of Matthew chapter 12, we hear Jesus telling us about a sign. The heading in my Bible above verse 38 says that Jesus speaks of the sign of Jonah. And so Jesus will tell us this morning what it is he thought about Jonah and of this sign that he draws this parallel between the prophet Jonah and himself. But before we get there, we need to know why Jesus is speaking about Jonah in the first place. And that's why we read from verse 22. Uh, earlier on, because we heard, didn't we, all about Jesus healing a, a man who, who was demon-possessed, and he was blind, and he was mute. And the people were astonished that Jesus ha had healed this man. And they wondered, well, could this be someone very important? More than that, maybe Jesus was the one that God had promised would come to, to save and to rescue his people. Was this even God himself? Some wondered. But when the Pharisees, when, when the religious leaders of the day heard this, well, they dismiss it. 
they, they, they say Jesus wasn't God. He wasn't even from God. He was evil, and he was doing all of these things we read of by evil powers. And of course, Jesus tells them how ridiculous their thinking is. He says that if he was evil, or if he was the devil himself, then why would he work against himself? If he's evil and driving out evil spirits himself, well then, it's like deliberately scoring an own goal in football. A player's never going to do that, because it's going to be to the downfall of their team. They're going to lose. In the same way, nobody goes home to rob their own house, do they? And so Jesus makes it clear that what they are saying is wrong. Jesus is always honest. He's always straight when he speaks. And he even calls these religious leaders a brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus knows the hearts of these Pharisees are wrong. They are far from trusting him. They are rejecting him, God the Son and God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, and they continue to ignore the truth of what Jesus says and does, as they have done throughout Matthew's Gospel up to now. But then in verse 38, we're told that some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. They wanted to see a miraculous sign, which is absolutely crazy isn't it jesus has literally just healed a man he was demon possessed and now he's free he was blind and now he can see he was mute and now he can speak how incredible is that and they want to see a sign what amazing power and authority jesus has and you'd have thought well that would be at least enough to make them think seriously about Jesus wouldn't it well sadly not because our first point this morning is that despite all that Jesus has said and done some people reject Jesus Christ some people reject Jesus Christ these religious leaders say to Jesus can you just show us a miracle please Jesus if you did a miraculous sign well then maybe we would believe you it's just so ridiculous isn't it Jesus has only just healed a man, and in so doing, he's put up a big sign with big letters, flashing lights, saying, here I am, with all the power and authority of God to heal people. And I am the one who was promised would come to rescue and to save. How do we know that Jesus' miracles did this? Well, his disciples tell us. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter is preaching the first sermon of the Christian church on the day of Pentecost, He says there in Acts 2, that Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Peter preaches this, and is saying that people knew, people knew that these great miracles were the immediate evidence and effects of divine power. They were all proofs that Jesus Christ was God the Son, sent by the Father, enabled by the Holy Spirit, revealing and showing without doubt that Jesus really was the Messiah, the promised rescuer, first spoken of in the Old Testament, who would come to save from sin. 
That's what the disciples knew to be true. But in response to that sign that confirms the ministry of Jesus, what was the response of the Pharisees? A complete and total rejection of Jesus Christ. They call the work of God's Spirit the work of Satan. And it was clear, wasn't it, as we heard the reading, that the religious leaders were explicitly and willingly rejecting Jesus. They rejected the God-man. They wanted nothing to do with this divine person who alone can save and can bring about a real turning from sin to God. Friends, some people reject Jesus. And so because Jesus knows their hearts, he answers in verse 39. Look at what Jesus says. They're his words, not my words. He says, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus does not do miracles on demand. Jesus doesn't do performances He calls those in the crowd listening wicked. He knows they are hearts. They have been unfaithful to God. They have decisively rejected him. And he knows their sinful ways. They wanted a sign which showed their unbelief. They wanted Jesus to prove he was the promised rescuer that God said would come to save his people. But what more proof could they have been given? If they'd read their Old Testament's with openness, if they had sincerely examined Jesus' life and what he said and what he did, well, then they would have to have concluded, wouldn't they, that this Jesus really was who he said he was, that he was the Son of God. He'd already given them plenty of evidence for who he is, and he knows that if he had performed another miracle, well, it still wouldn't have pleased them. And their hearts would still have been rejecting Jesus. Friends, some people reject Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think any of us here this morning would would call ourselves Pharisees in the strict sense. None of us are living in Israel today. If you are, then you've come a long way this morning, and I applaud you for that. But none of us have ever had the chance to, to speak to the physical person of Jesus in the flesh and ask him to do a miracle for us. But maybe you're more like the Pharisees than you think, because you've been rejecting Jesus Christ. This morning, as you sit in this room or as you watch at home, you're rejecting Jesus Christ in your heart. This week that's gone by, you've gone to school or you've gone to work, you've gone to the shops, you've watched the TV, you've read the newspaper, you've met up with friends, and through it all, in your heart, you're rejecting Jesus Christ. Maybe you know all about him. You've been to Sunday school or children's group. And then youth group, or maybe you've been to this church for many years. Maybe your family's been to this church for many years, but you're not trusting in Jesus Christ this morning. You don't know him personally, and you're rejecting him in your heart, and you know that you are. Maybe you've sat in this same seat for for many years, but in your heart of hearts, you don't know Jesus Christ. You're rejecting him this morning. And it can be tempting for all of us, To say what these Pharisees did. Well, you see, if only Jesus showed himself to me, well, then I would believe. If only Jesus gave me a sure and certain sign, well, then I would trust in him. 
If only the clouds in the sky this morning spelled something out to me. If only the birds flying over the Lacher estuary this week would set out some kind of pattern to tell me that he was there and he was real, well, then I would believe him. If only Jesus did a miracle, then I would stop rejecting him and trust in him. Friends, maybe this morning you're looking for an excuse. You're looking for an excuse to not believe in Jesus Christ. You're rejecting him in your heart. And despite everything he is, despite everything he has said and done, you have up to now rejected him. And here Jesus says he doesn't do miracles on demand. If you're waiting for the stars or the clouds or whatever it is to to line up and spell your name this week, well, then you will be disappointed. But Jesus tells us here that there will be a sign, one climactic sign, one big sign that is all the proof that you will ever need. One humongous sign that is taller than, than Mount Everest, that shouts to you so clearly who Jesus really is and what he has done. And Jesus says, that is the sign of the prophet Jonah. The sign of the prophet Jonah, what on earth does that mean? Well, if you go and read the book of Jonah, you'll find there that Jonah is a man who was a prophet. He was a messenger of God with an important message of repentance to proclaim to the people of Nineveh. That's really important because it confirms to us that the Old Testament it's just as important as the new. If Jesus believed the Old Testament, then we should believe it as well. I once had a conversation with someone at university in Aberystwyth, and they said they only believe the New Testament, but that we can't really be that sure about, about the old, so, so that they were a bit more pick and mix about that. But that's not what Jesus thought. He accepted this Old Testament account as historical fact, And Jesus was God. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ this morning, well, then if he says Jonah was a real man and that he went through all the things he did, well, then it must be so. And I think really the the reason that some people say that, that they don't really believe the Old Testament, is because, to be honest, some of the historical accounts, they sound a bit unusual. They're not things that happen every day. Things like what Jesus says here in verse 40. That Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. I once had a conversation with someone in in church who told me that their colleague had asked them if they believe the Bible. To which this person said, yes, they did. And then their colleague said to them, if they believed in things like the Good Samaritan. And this person said, well, that was a story that, that Jesus told. So while it was true that Jesus told the story, it probably didn't actually happen. And this colleague said, oh, like Jonah and the whale. And this person in church was courageous enough to say, no, no, Jonah and the whale really did happen. To which this colleague sadly laughed. And sometimes we can almost feel embarrassed in in school or, or at work as we talk to people that some of the things we read in the Bible, they're unusual, they're different. But don't ever forget that God is the creator of this world and everything works as it does because the natural laws that God has made are sustained perfectly each moment by him. We've sung this morning, haven't we, of that, of how each tree and flower was planned and was made. So if God wanted to send a huge storm on a boat and then send a huge fish to swallow Jonah, then he can do that because he is God and he is in charge and Jesus is God and he speaks of Jonah as a real person. 
who was really swallowed by a whale. And he mentions him here to make a point to the crowd who is listening in. He draws a comparison between Jonah and himself. And so then let's see the point that Jesus was making now in verses 40 and 41, where we see Jesus tell us to repent and to believe that he will conquer death. Repent and believe that Jesus conquers death. That's our second point uh, this morning. Take another look at what verse 40 says. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jonah was three days and three nights in a big fish. And in the same way, Jesus will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What's this referring to? Well, if you were to go and read the book of Jonah, you can read about how Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. And similarly, Jesus knows that he is going to be swallowed up by the earth. He will be in the grave for three days. But just as after three days, Jonah was delivered from his salty experience, imprisoned in a big fish, so too Jesus is saying that he would rise up from the grave, conquering sin, conquering death once for all. Jonah's experience parallels with something far greater, points us to Jesus' resurrection. And so Jesus says that the greatest sign that you could ever want to see him for who he really is, is the resurrection. If you want to know who Jesus is, how there is nobody greater than him, then look no further than to that first Easter Sunday. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the greatest sign of all that the kingdom of God had come. That Jesus was really God, become man to save his people from their sins. If you want a sign, if you want some miracle to really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, well then look to the empty tomb. See how Jesus doesn't just escape the prospect of death like Jonah did. No, Jesus actually beat death. Jesus really died and he really rose again from the dead. He, he really died because he went to the cross. He physically died. He lived a perfect life. He never once disobeyed God's law. He never once sinned. Never once thought anything impure. Never once did anything selfish. He never once said anything unkind. Jesus was absolutely sinless. How unlike Jesus we are, friends. How unlike Jesus you are. How unlike Jesus I am. You know that you have disobeyed God's law and thought impure things and done selfish things and said unkind things even in this last week. And because we are sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God, Jesus came. To live a blameless life that you and I could never live. To die a death that we deserved in our place. Enduring what we should have endured. On the cross as he took the fair judgment of God on himself. And he died. He really was dead. But if he had stayed dead, well then what would that have achieved? Nothing, Paul writes to the Corinthians. Our faith is futile if Christ stayed dead, but Jesus didn't stay dead. 
Now, we read in the historical accounts of the Gospels that Jesus rose again from the dead. He conquered it, and he proved that his death on the cross really was enough. His death has accomplished salvation for people like you and people like me. And it means that you and I can be on terms with God again this morning. If you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for you personally. You can have that relationship with God that you were made for. That relationship that you're yearning for and your life will never be right. It will never make sense until you're trusting in Jesus Christ as your saviour. Here in Gesainan this morning, Jesus says to you, look, look at my resurrection. Look at what I've done. The greatest sign in all of history that I am God and that you can believe in me and trust in me with your life. Jesus says that to you this morning. Look at my resurrection. He knew what was going to happen to him. Here he says that he was going to die and to be raised to life. And as you read through Matthew's gospel, he makes it even clearer. Like in chapter 16 and verse 21, he tells his disciples plainly that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus has died and he has risen again from the dead. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that comfort you this morning, Christian? Isn't it so encouraging to know that Jesus has beaten death to know that he's gone through it and he's come out the other side and so we need not fear death this morning but we can rejoice that there is life after this which is better than this maybe you're grieving a loved one this morning you're missing that that parent or grandparent or sibling or even child maybe you're full of sorrows but brother sister you can find hope In the promise of the resurrection because Jesus has beaten death. The last enemy has been dealt with. And so we have an unbreakable hope. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety this morning. You're concerned about the future. There are many things which worry you about your health as the NHS struggles. Your finances as interest rates and inflation continues to be high. You're not sure about your future. You're not sure about your relationships in in family situations. They cause you stress. They cause you despair. Things are difficult between friends, maybe. But friend, I want to say to you this morning that you can find hope in your circumstances because Jesus has beaten death. He really has. The last enemy is dealt with. And so we have an unbreakable hope. What wonderful comfort. What wonderful encouragement there is for each of us here this morning. Jesus has died and he's risen. Again, he has conquered death and he is alive. And here in these verses in Matthew 12, we see that this mighty event of Jesus' glorious resurrection, it should cause every person everywhere to repent. To repent means to turn away from ourselves and the life that we've been living up to now, to live for God and to follow him. It means a complete change of direction from going this way in our sin and in our selfishness to going that way in light and in love. So will those listening to Jesus repent? Sadly, Jesus knows they won't. Look at what Jesus says in verse 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah is here. 
Jesus knows that the Pharisees won't repent. And so he says that those who lived in Nineveh, when Jonah went to preach to them and repented, they will judge those who were listening to him there that day. The Pharisees and their followers refused to listen to Jesus, to follow him and to trust in him. They wouldn't listen to the word of God as we've seen so sadly. Some people reject Jesus Christ. But Jesus says that when Jonah went and preached to the people of Nineveh, that they needed to turn to God, otherwise they'd be destroyed because of their sin. They did listen to the word of God. They did follow him. They did trust in him. If you go and read the book of Jonah, then you can see there how, how God awakens a, a city. Thousands of people that, that were spiritually dead. He transformed Nineveh. And in compassion, he relented from judgment as they repented and believed God. And Jesus knew the Ninevites did that, that they repented. And it resulted in a wonderful deliverance. And so Jesus says here, well, the people of Nineveh listened to Jonah, but you won't listen to me. And Jesus is greater than Jonah. He's far greater than Jonah. Jesus says that now one greater than Jonah is here. And that's not to say that Jonah was a bad guy. I think that Jonah was a great guy. We can talk about that over tea and coffee if you want later. But Jonah must have been a great guy because Jesus wouldn't say, I'm greater than him if Jonah was no good at all. If you read the book of Jonah, you can see what he was like. But in a nutshell, he was just a human being like you and I. He was a rebellious sinner like you and I. He couldn't do miraculous things to confirm his message, just like you or I can't do any miracles to confirm what I'm saying. I have no authority in myself. Jonah was a great prophet. He was greatly used by God. I don't think we can deny that. But Jesus Christ is greater. Jesus is the Son of God himself. Jesus is God who took on flesh, and he repeatedly speaks to them, encouraging them to repent of their sins and to follow him. Jesus was completely sinless, as we said. He was so gracious and kind. He was so full of wisdom and compassion, preaching a message of forgiveness of sins, which we cannot earn. And he confirms who he is, as he does many miraculous things in the Gospels. Jesus is the greatest. He's greater than Jonah. He's greater than all those in the Old Testament who who they were pointing to because they were pointing to him. There's no one else like Jesus. He cannot be compared to anyone else because everyone else falls far short in comparison to Jesus because he is almighty God. And so I wonder this morning as we go into a new week, for some of us that might be to work or to school or for others of us who might be at home with, with family or maybe we'd be on our own for lots of the time this week. But whatever is ahead of you this week, I wonder, will you go into this week listening to Jesus Christ? Do you see who he is here this morning? That he is God who became man to rescue you. Will you follow him this morning? Will you trust in him this morning? Will you make the most of this opportunity this morning and respond to the Lord Jesus in repentance and in faith? If you don't know Jesus Christ, friend, you need to repent. You need to turn. You have to do that. Don't carry on rejecting Jesus like some people do, but instead consider this sign we've thought about this morning. 
this sign of Jonah. Consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and all that it means for you. Believe in the one who conquered death. Turn from your sins. Follow Jesus. Believe in him. That he went to the cross for you to save you from your sins. That he is alive forevermore. And if you do that, if you put your faith in Jesus, that he is truly alive today, then not only are we saved from the fair and the right judgment of God, but we receive eternal, abundant, joyful life, a life full of peace, that we are on terms with our God, our maker, because we know him as our rescuer as well. Friends, we can't be neutral about Jesus Christ. He's either our Lord and our Savior, or he isn't. And so may God help us this morning, each of us, to know him as our Savior, to put our faith in him, to trust in his resurrection from the dead, to repent, to turn from our sins, and to follow him. You do that this morning. You do that this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. That is truth. Thank you for what we've seen in your word this morning of the amazing sign of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Help us all to believe in Jesus, that he is alive and to follow him each day uh, this week. We love you, Lord, for who you are and for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the comforting encouragement we can take from this glorious truth as your children. As we pray, you'd spur us on today and this week in the incredible hope that Jesus is alive, that he has beaten death, And that this changes everything. Thank you for the hope of the gospel and of the resurrection from the dead. Help us to believe in our Savior all the more. And if we do not yet, that we would come to trust him today for the very first time as we pray these things in his precious name. Amen.